We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Okay guys, welcome to another episode of the Highland Bullpen. And very easy highlight of the week for us in the Highland bullpen because this is the week we were all waiting for as Daz Cameron was called back up to the majors. Clan Cameron over in Scotland, absolutely delighted to see our man Daz back playing for the Tigers, having been called up after some good batting numbers and obviously great outfielding at the Toledo Mad Hens. Daz, uh, difficult getting into major league batting. Uh, but delighted to say on his second appearance where he came in as a substitute. I'm not quite sure. I know we get pinch hitters. I'm not substitutes in baseball is something I've not really got my head around. I was going to say maybe his batting as well had been a little bit of a sticky start, but we'll come back to sticky stuff later in the show, I think, tonight as well. Uh, but he did what we every young lad making it to the majors wants to do. Daz hit a home run as well. So we're absolutely delighted, uh, delighted for Daz, his family, obviously his dad, Mike, a major league player, all-star. Uh, well done, Daz. We even fitted you into our fantasy league team on Sunday just to make sure at that end of season celebration when the medals are handed out, you can be up there collecting a medal for representing the team at some point. So I'm happy. That's, my, that's all I wanted from this season. I knew the Tigers weren't going to the World Series. Does anyone want to talk about their highlight and not to mention the fact they'd have pumped the Tigers over the over the last week as well, Dave Jr.? Well, I was just going to add my congratulations because um, given that yesterday the Scottish national team uh, failed a little bit in their, their start to a European Championships campaign, it was nice to have some form of Scottish win this week so we will hold on to it with both hands and ride that Daz Cameron train till it reaches the station Alan Brilliant Brilliant I was I was horrified I saw something on ESPN there's some guy got a sports show in America and it had he's got some sort of little incident every day where he says like this this is amazing but this should never have happened and um, no prizes for guessing which worldwide sporting event he took from Scotland's reappearance at a, at a major international championship. But uh, on to Friday. Uh, you might be listening to this before we pump England in the second game. What, what do you make of that, Dave Senior? You highlights for the week, other than an England winning over Croatia and looking forward to Scotland, or what's been happening in your, your baseball world with the Red Sox? Well, quite a lot with the Red Sox, but I did uh, I, I did look up the Daz Cameron. Thing and yeah, I think he pretty he, he did come on as a pinch hitter, didn't he? But he played he played in the outfield, didn't he? And he made a fantastic uh, diving catch. That was before. And then wasn't there a rain delay because uh, yeah they, they were down. What was it? Was it four two? Yes. Into the ninth in the ninth inning, and um, it was raining pretty heavily. But they do play play through that, and I think. Um, not sound like I'm getting it in for Tony Larusa, but he came out, didn't he, to complain? So he came out, and then almost straight away the tarp came out because I guess he knows that you know if the game can get called and they're they're ahead. But there was a 47 minute rain delay, and uh, then Daz came out, did his stuff, but bummer, it's uh, you know. They didn't quite do it, did it? That was meant to be a joke because I yeah. think <laughs> the pitcher. <laughs> yeah. Did he score off? Uh, was it crochet? Yes, he knitted that one together nicely. Yeah, he was yeah. unraveling a bit, and then uh, I think we've done all these jokes in the past. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was great, you know. And it's good to see him doing well. So hopefully, we'll see more of Daz. And uh, yeah, let's get him in. 
full time into the fantasy team. But I think he's going to be in and out of the, the yeah. Tigers, isn't he? So. I think it's it adds another strand to our love of the game. Um, without going too deep into the Tigers' woes just now, to, to put it quite simply, it's not a great season. But for a team which is uh, still going through a transition, instantly, and I'm not a Tigers fan, I can point to the likes of Adas Cameron's success, Badu in the outfield. But, you know, for a team that isn't doing well, you've got those two stories, which are which are great. They're fantastic for people that don't know about baseball, that just like to know good sporting stories. And I think it adds another... Um, yeah, it's just it's great. So every, every team's got a story. Every player's got a story. And it's great watching these things unravel yeah. uh, night after night. What unraveled for the Red Sox and, and Dave? How, how have they gone this week? Yeah, it's a very eventful week. I think um, I think last week it did highlight that they were they were playing the Astros. It was seven day, seven games in seven days at uh, Fenway. They almost got swept by the Astros in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> Won the final game in that series to to only lose three one. Uh, but the Astros, I think they could. They look like probably the best best team I've seen. Um, Red Sox play a really, you know, very dangerous hitting team with a lot of good, good starting pitching. I understand that, you know, and even our friend Rob um, on his podcast seems to think that their sort of one weakness might be um, the bullpen. So, yeah, so the first couple of games, Red Sox lost 7-1 and 3-8 and then had this amazing game where pretty much everything happened. It'd take a whole show to talk about just the bottom of the sixth inning but I think uh, as usual I think I said uh, previous week that I'd watched the game up until a certain point and then uh, the very next inning was that perfect inning from the the Yankee pitcher and then I, I think I got as far as the fifth of the sixth inning uh, it was a 7-7 I think it finished up 12-8 uh, with this incredible sixth inning maybe talk about another time because we were going to discuss at some point the infield fly rule. And this came into yeah. play uh, during this sixth inning, with, along with just about every other incident you could think of. There was nine or ten batsmen came up, a lot of runs scored. There was guys walked in, there was a hit by pitch. There was a sensational error in, in the outfield. I think it was a windy night. And then there was this strange infield fly rule that was probably applied correctly, there was a little bit, not exactly controversy, but question marks over it. And then after that series, there was um, a four-game series with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, who were doing well in the same division. And they ended up doing well to get a split out of that. Uh, yeah. They lost one game by 18 runs to four. Those seven games, I'll give you the aggregate score not something you really see doing a lot in baseball, but I think increasingly they're looking at the runs for and against and working out yeah. sort of power, who's the, the power team. And um, in those seven games, the Red Sox, if I've read it or not correctly, the Red Sox scored 30 runs, but they conceded 54. Wow. Yeah. Last <laughs> night they won a game 2-1 two, two, in a walk-off uh, uh, win and they won a couple of close ones of 6-5 since I said my favourite score was 6-5 a couple of weeks ago they had two great wins at 6-5 so it just shows you but they've taken two sort of big losses at 14-8 that 18-4 one I haven't actually watched the whole of the highlights of that but uh, yeah that's pretty so I think some of the starting pitching has taken a few hits literally so we'll see how they bounce back yeah, I wonder if anyone has 18-4 as their favourite score. That's obviously one, one <laughs> to consider. A few Toronto fans now, I should think. <laughs> I never heard this mentioned, but I know somebody somewhere monitors all the different score lines you get in baseball, and it's it's obviously fairly unusual to get a, a new one. But I can't imagine there's been many 18-4 games in, in, in baseball. But mm. I think we probably should look at the a stat of the week and Dave Jr I know you 
came, came across a fantastic statistic. It shouldn't really exist, but but it does. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a wee bit about that one? Yeah, so again, it comes back to what we talk about, that there's someone out there. You know, I'd love to see MLBHQ, uh, which is hard to say in itself, but... That you know that place must go about fifty floors underground with a bunch of geeks that have never seen daylight, and the place. What, what Alan's going to go for two weeks, all inclusive next year? Maybe <laughs> never come back. Uh, I just think that is. It, does it get any better? <laughs> no, no. Uh, but um, I, I've mentioned the the White Sox injuries this year, and we've been hard hit. I think, uh, although having a look at. Some other teams, I think every team's been hit at some point. So are you any worse off than anybody else, potentially, depending which which position you're looking at? But uh, I think all teams are having to cope with injuries, so it's, it's an even playing field. Uh, however, a, a stat was thrown up in the screen the other night that um, you know, the White Sox have had 16 injuries this year where you're, it doesn't classify as day-to-day uh, your, which would be where you're monitoring a player on a day-by-day basis to see if they're, they're eligible. Um, but it looks as if, and again, it's, it's perhaps a, a point for debate on another day, but there's different types of injury lists where um, you can move players and it gives a bit of certainty over how long someone will be out. And I think that might have to do more with calling another player up in their stead, uh, which is, again, a really clever way to, to go about these things. Um, but of the 16 injuries that the White Sox had had registered, uh, on the exact day that that player uh, is marked as being injured, the White Sox have went 12 for four uh, in those 16 games. So I think that's just fantastic. You know, they, they were actually talking about the psychological aspect. Uh, if you're you're a football team and you've got star striker Alan Cameron up front, on the day of the game, he drops out. What's the impact on the team? Um, and I think that's the angle that they were looking at. How yeah. how have the team bounced back on that day to losing someone, uh, your starting team, uh, and bringing in a replacement? Uh, or is it that the replacements have come in and done really, really quite well in those days uh, as well? So I thought that was a great stat. You know, 12 for four on days where you've, you've signed some players off for a while. So I'm not sure, Dave, if you've... Can I have seen anything like that before in the past? No, but I was just thinking about uh, the England match because there was, uh, well, Scotland as well, Vic Tierney was out injured, quite an important player. And similarly, perhaps not, well, yeah, uh, Maguire, the centre-half, was uh, ruled out and they brought in um, Mings, who had an extremely good game. But actually... They had brought, he plays, he's left-sided in the um, centre-back. They played uh, Trippier, which was a surprise move, as left-back. Most people thought, well, he's in there because he's quite good at free kicks and dead balls. But apparently the biggest uh, reason that he was picked ahead of, you know, Shaw and uh, Chilwell, the other two excellent left-backs England have in the squad, was that he's very experienced and was uh, going to kind of talk Tyrone Mings through through the game. And I thought that was really interesting and made quite a lot of sense, actually. You know, you possibly get that in, in you know, to a certain degree in baseball as well. You've got to have a, a kind of experience and youth mix. And if you've got a lot of injuries, young lads coming in maybe you know, they would bring in a veteran guy to, to help them along. But they, they do have big squads, don't they, anyway, in, in yeah. baseball. But it's got, it's got to, it's got to yeah. make its mark on them. But, yeah, the White Sox seem to have a good setup. Could you perhaps, using that example, if you're a new pitcher, would you maybe look to use a wily old veteran catcher to help them through yeah. the game? Some pitchers have their own... Catcher, anyway, don't you? But you possibly see that, won't you? That number two or number three catcher will always come in for a certain picture. I don't know why that might be. They just know each other's signs or particular pitches. So, yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? In all sports. Yeah, confidence as well. Um, Mm. I should probably say, from a bullpen, Highland bullpen perspective as well, in the England game, uh, delighted to see. 
Leeds United, Calvin Phillips playing and playing very well. Um, got a lot of good write-ups. And did he not? Did he, it was an assist for the goal as well? Yeah, yeah, it was um, him who put the ball through. Yeah, really, he, he played uh, slightly further forward than he does with Leeds. Leeds plays like a 4-1-4, don't they? And he's the V-holding player, but he's got a fantastic passing range. In this game, he had a bit more licence to go forward as an attacking option. He played really I'm really couldn't be more pleased because he's not only is he a Leeds United player, he's a Leeds born and bred lad, isn't he? You know, really good because now there's talk about him, you know, he has a good tournament and other teams will start getting interested. But famous last words, but I, you know, I, could, I couldn't see him uh, moving from he'll, he'll be well anytime soon. Smithy was a famous one and he gets, uh, but he went to Man United when Man United were at the top of the game and Leeds had all that financial trouble. And I don't really blame him for that. It was a bad situation and, well, he went. But uh, yeah, I don't see Phillips doing that because Leeds have produced a lot of good players you know, the last 15 years, haven't they? But because they had the financial situation and they were in the not in the Premier League, they haven't been able to keep on to them. Now they should be able to keep on to them and, uh, you know, attract other players. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I look forward to seeing the, well, the next game. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose there's a question for our American friends and baseball fans is which teams should your local born and bred star players not move to. So moving from Leeds to Manchester United was not the right thing to do. So in, in the baseball world, just drop us a line with, with your thoughts on that. I, I also had a stat of the week, but it's actually, apparently it's the first time it's happened. Um, and, but it's also, I think, it's a bit too conventional to be awarded the, the trophy. I think I, I love Dave's 12 for 4. I love the fact that was put on TV. It, it breaks my heart that once again it confirms that I'll never create a stat that is not considered in baseball. But the Tigers at the start of this week uh, used nine pitchers in a nine innings game. And it's the first time that they've used nine pitchers in a nine innings game and won, uh, which uh, is quite surprising. I thought perhaps using that depth of the bullpen. Uh, is maybe a quite a, a recent thing. I guess maybe 15, 20 years ago, they might not have gone so deep into a bullpen. Plus, plus I guess when you're going into the bullpen, you're probably not going to be winning many games mm-hmm. if you're using nine different pitchers. So uh, exciting to see. Yeah, plus they've got that <clears throat> three batter rule as well now, haven't they? So you can't bring in a pitcher just to play, uh, face one guy which they might have done in the back you know matchups lefties righties you know guys who uh, the pitcher has got out numerous times before so I think they've actually got a fate they don't have to get three guys out do they but they've got to face three yeah. different uh, batters so yeah that was that was pretty amazing in terms of hero or heroine of the week uh I know we've we've chatted before about a an, an incident um, where a fan caught the ball uh, in, in in the crowd, and I think this one was the one we talked about before, slightly controversial because uh, the 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 outfielder was hoping to catch it at the same time. Uh, but did either of you see uh, the young lady with the baby catching the foul ball this week? Yes, I, I couldn't tell you the, the teams involved, Alan, but um, yeah, I think during one of the White Sox games, I think they cut to this and actually just highlighted, oh, what, what a cool moment. I've got to say my heart was in my mouth a little bit. Um, I'm not entirely sure she was focused on the, the baby 100% of the time. I'm sure she's um, you know, she wouldn't have done anything unless she felt absolutely safe and secure, but there was a bit of me thought, why you know, why reach for that but why just let the ball come over or let your friend grab the ball there's no need um but yeah it's just again it's cool seeing fans catching balls at the stadium uh, i'm sure they've missed that for the last 
uh, 12 yeah. to 18 months. So it's it's cool seeing people taking that memento home. It's, I think we seem to mention it every couple of weeks when there's uh, a fan catching a ball or, or nice moments in the crowd. Uh, if you'll allow me a little moment, I don't know if you caught during uh, one of the White Sox-Tigers games this week, uh, one game in particular when they, they seemed to move away from talking about the game, which might tell you the direction the score was going in. Uh, there was a child in the crowd and uh, a couple of years ago uh, on one of Alan's visits to Detroit, he brought my son back, uh, a kind of foam bat and ball, uh, which he still got to this day. And the child in the, the crowd actually had the same bat. And the commentary team at this point, uh, so I didn't mention this this to you guys, this just came to me, um, but they started noticing that the child, a Detroit fan, was swinging at the exact same time as you know the Tiger batter. So after a while, they started on the main screen, matching up time for time, the child with the batter, absolutely mirroring the swing. And it was great. And after a while, I think the, the, the kids' uh, mum showed him that he was on TV and other kids were coming over. Um, you know, by that point, I think the White Sox were quite heavily in front. Um, and a lot of people had just left the game knowing that it was over. Um, which left a bit of room for kids to run about and have fun. But I, th- I, th- I think that's great that you can have family occasions at the stadium. The game might be over, but you know what? We're going to have a good time. Uh, and that was that was quite a nice moment for me to see, Al. I'm not sure if it was a, a young a baby girl or a baby boy, this Padres fan, San Diego Padres fan, a home game at Petco Park. Uh, so U Darvish pitch, which is uh, actually Chicago Cubs pinch hitter fouled away so for those of you who are a bit worried uh, the ball had bounced once or twice so it wasn't like a a full-on straight hit straight into her arms but uh, yeah no well well done there so that was a that was a great one to see I saw her described in the article as um, a multitasking madre nicely done and that actually Dave talking about uh, the focusing on a young lad. I think that going back to the Daz Cameron home run, I read in that article that the fan who got the, the um, baseball that hit, it was his first major league home yep. run. So they met up with the fan afterwards. I think this is this is something that they do a lot, isn't it? And the fan gave Daz Cameron the ball in exchange. They do a trade, don't they? And they got yep. a assigned ball in in return so yeah that's a nice tradition that they've got going yeah. it's, it's probably made more easy with um social media to um, arrange the meet afterwards but i think yeah. that's always been done and i don't know if you picked up as well on the the white Sox and tigers game the inter- it might it was possibly just on the tigers feed uh, but they interviewed a chap by the name of zach hempel and so if people want to find Zach Hempel on Twitter, he's known as the foul ball guy. So this guy goes to all the different ballparks, goes to different grounds and catches foul balls. And he had an amazing amount of balls from that game. I think it was from a series. I think he had something like 20 balls, foul balls. And he also gets them in practice as well. I, I'm in, intrigued... I've, I've followed him on Twitter. Uh, we'll find out a bit more about him. Uh, why he's obviously gets himself in the right position, but he's also, is he not, need to find out a bit more, is he not breaking one of the rules that you're supposed to get these and give them to kids? Uh, he can't go home with 20. We'll let him go home with one from every game, maybe, but that seems a bit much. Very quickly, reference to another defeat in the fantasy, the UK Baseball Podcasters Fantasy League. A 5-3 defeat, uh, a couple of drawn categories with the Newmarket Greyhounds of Extra Innings UK podcasting. Uh, They cover a lot of UK baseball stuff, so give those guys a listen, uh, even if they they manage to to, to beat us. We're still in fifth place, still hanging on to a playoff place, but it's now looking like quite a tight battle between fifth and eighth place. Uh, we, We struggled across a few different categories last week. Our batting didn't do too badly. Um, Tim, Tim Anderson and Robbie Grossman did fairly well. They were battling it out for player of the week honours. Um, Tim got our three stolen bases of the week, so we won that. 
category and he'd four they both had four runs uh, Robbie had twice as many RBIs and a couple of home runs so his overall batting averages were, were pretty good uh, so no, pretty happy with that D- Dylan Cease uh, Gilbert uh, uh, Mariners and Boyd of the Tigers all won one win for us uh, which helped us win that category and we drew nil-nil in the saves and hold no, neither of us could get a save or a hold so We'll be back on it this week. Uh, we're playing fly ball to the moon, who I think are in second place just now, second or perhaps third place. As you know, our our season has kind of dipped slightly, but I, th- I still think we or you and Dave are doing fantastically well pulling it together every week. But you do think you go back to football, that old adage that um, you really need four, five, six of your first eleven playing strong each week to to get wins. I'm thinking about from a baseball point of view because at the start of this season we had the Red Sox, the White Sox and the Mariners all doing very, very well and the Tigers were still performing to a pretty decent level. I think the Tigers and the Mariners have both dipped recently and you think that, you wonder if they're dipping form also given that that's half of our potential team means that our own form has dipped as well. I know that we've maybe got more Sox players in there than than anyone else, but um, it's interesting that you really do need that contribution from uh, across the board. Yeah, we lost uh, some very close ones in the categories. Nothing that's going to happen over. It's it's just like real baseball, isn't it? You know, over 162 games. It's our tenth yeah. week. Yeah, you know, we've had some close wins, haven't we? In the early few weeks, and we just we just missed out, didn't we? And it's a sort of good example of bad, bad luck, which I think we were going to talk about quality starts today. Yeah. And I did notice that Eovaldi was pitching last night and he pitched almost with six and two thirds innings, didn't yeah. give away an earned run, only gave up four hits and he didn't get the win. Red Sox got the win, but he missed out because... The uh, one he left them in them with a one-run lead, but it wasn't maintained. I mean, they gave up a home run to that man Vlad. He's he's the best, isn't he? In the ninth, and so he missed out. And and that's uh, sort of the definition of a quality start is that starting pitcher must pitch at least six innings and allow three earned runs. Or fewer, so that is a stat which is wide of the win stat, so that you can see a pitcher if he's doing his job, you know, which is to prevent runs and gets out. And apparently, you know, I was looking, got this straight from the. Uh, I was familiar with that term, but I didn't know the origin of it. And it was a sports writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, John Lowe. <laughs> But um, he coined the term in 1985 as a means to gauge whether a pitcher did his job. And apparently also created another wrinkle to go along with the stat. He called quality starts in which a pitcher got the loss tough losses. So that that's definitely a tough loss. If you do, you know, pitch almost seven full innings, you don't give up a run. Your team wins and you don't get the win. And they also call non-quality starts in which a pitcher earns the win as a cheap win. And I think this is this is what they're sort of baseball, they're trying to eradicate the luck element from stats, aren't they? So that they can really get hone in on what a player is actually achieving, you know, in an accountable way it's it's quite interesting isn't it how how these stats do come up and they're i think they're very valid and you know you do hear commentators say this is a pitcher who has got a good run support so you can have pitchers i think this happened in the early part of the season where i think it was nick nick pavetta was looked at as a sort of pretty lucky starting pitcher for the red sox because you know, he was pitching well, but he might give up three or four runs in his five or six innings. But the Red Sox were hitting well when he pitched. And, you know, and they'd maybe pick up the, he'd pick up the win because the Red Sox would be hitting 
six or yeah. seven uh, um, runs in in his uh, in his start. Whereas Perez was yeah. a little bit more. Garrett Richards was a bit more unlucky, and he was pitching just as well, but he was leaving the game with um, with a, a loss situation because his hitters hadn't been fortunate enough to get a hit. So. I think that's a good stat. So well done, Mr. Lowe, for introducing that. One of the things we've been aware of before, but we've not probably spent an awful lot of time looking at, but it's interesting, and I know you've been looking at this week, is the the All-Star game. Tell us a wee bit about how the All-Star game, the teams are selected and what we should be looking out for in terms of our our four teams and who who, who gets there and how. Thanks, Al. So the All-Star game... I'm not sure if you you gentlemen have looked at it or watched the, the game over the years. It looks to be a great occasion to watch. I think perhaps even the night before there's a bit of an event with um, the home run derby. I don't know if that still uh, takes place, but I've seen highlights of, of past ones and that just looks really kick-ass. It looks pretty cool. But in terms of the all-star selection process, for the next couple of weeks, it looks as if fans across the world, you know, don't need to be a season ticket holder. You don't need to be signed up to MLB TV. Anybody can vote. Uh, you can effectively vote for your favourite outfield players. Um, and what happens is, I think by the end of that, there will be, by my count, a lot of players then selected. Um, at which point, two managers, uh, one for the American League, one for the National League, uh, whittle that down slightly. Um, and they will also select uh, the pitchers uh, who then join that that particular outfit. So again, there's, there's some fantastic names there. Um, Alan, Richard, you'll need to excuse me, but at the moment, going by the, the latest MLB numbers, we don't seem to have any Mariners or Tigers in the running. Uh, if you'll allow me to run through the positions, that, I don't know, have, sure. you guys seen, have you guys seen the, the latest I've, names? I've only had a quick look and I'd appreciate your insight this because my quick look it was basically you could go down and you could vote for every Tigers player and I thought well well, why would you not Uh, so the only reason the Tigers players don't win is some people are either neutral or they don't have enough supporters Uh, I think the supporters element really comes into it Al Um, and we we had this debate last week where we thought well could you just vote for your, your own team or do you really want to see, are you a big American League fan? Do you want to see you know, your guys taking on the National League? Yeah, and yeah. do you want the best of the best out there? Um, so there's a, you know, each person, you're given five votes a day. Uh, not anything to do with positions, just five. You can select five teams per day uh, to go forward. So it's up to you. You could vote for the Tigers three times. You could just put in... Uh, your friends, players that they like, who knows. At the moment, I think we've got a good bit of representation. I would love to see a Tiger in there. I'd love to see a Mariner. Uh, it'd be great. I'm sure that every every club would like to see at least one of their players involved. I, I wonder even when it comes to pitching, if the managers look and you know, potentially the MLB might look to have all clubs represented in some level. So who knows? They might think, right, we've already got five Boston guys, why are we going to pick a Boston pitcher? Let's get a guy you know, from Seattle. Um, so I, I don't know if there's a rule there that you must have won from every club. I, I don't know the detail, but I think it'd be a great moment to see that that kind of the best of your of your league being represented and seeing one of your guys going out there representing your club. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. With with baseball not really having a big international scene, uh, I'm sure I'll get shot down for that. And there's uh, 10 cup matches take place somewhere at some point um, but it looks as if this is a real way to represent your club would be in the uh, in the all-star game two other things I'll make a, a comment on on, on this um, Mike Cameron Daz's dad tweeted something about saying leave it to the players um, so I don't know if that's a controversial opinion or not but he said your peers will pick the best players to go in and, and represent uh, and interesting Dave your approach as well perhaps suggesting let's get players from all teams but Dave Senior and myself have come up with a new venue for the home run derby next year it's going to be in Dingwall ah, why, why is that? 
Well, they'll just be hitting dingers all the time. Boom. <laughs> you set me up. So, yeah. D- Dave, do you have any, you you paid much interest to the All-Star game in the past? Any, any yeah, it's, thoughts it's, on it? It's a, it's a big event, isn't it? And it? I think it always has been, you know, historically. Um, yeah, I think if you're watching MLB games when they go to a commercial break, they show highlight reels, don't they, from yeah. not recent years, but also from past years. And there's a couple of things that are coming there for the All-Stars. Is a, as a Boston Red Sox fan, Pedro Martinez had a significant contribution to an All-Stars game so 15, 20 years ago. And uh, we haven't mentioned him for a while. I'm sure Ted Williams, uh, uh, going back even to the 40s and the 50s, um, he didn't. I'd, I'd need to look it up to get the ex- exact thing. Right. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure he had a home run or two in one of them. But yeah, I, I voted actually. When I only voted, I voted yesterday just the once, but you can vote for five times if you wish. And I voted again today. And I'm not voting for just for every Boston Red Sox player, although I did end up voting for four or five. I like Verdugo. I think he's had a great season. And yeah, Devers, Bogarts, JD. But one guy I did decide I'm going to vote for, and I don't like what's happening. And he was getting, he gets booed wherever he goes. And this is on the Houston Astros are getting booed wherever they go because of that, you know, the controversy going back to 2017. But in particular, one guy seems to be getting it everywhere, including Boston Red Sox. And it's Jose Altuve, the yeah. second baseman, and he's a great wee player. And I'm not quite sure exactly why he's been singled out. Again, I was listening to uh, Rob Fontenot's um, Astros baseball podcast, and he was interviewing our other friend, Terry Cushman, who does the um, – used to be called Benny and the Best, but it's now – um, excuse me for saying so, bastards of baseball. And yeah, amusingly, Rob said, you know, he, he, they were discussing the recent Astros series. And um, he, he did say, okay, how come you guys are booing uh, Altuve? I thought we were brothers in, in cheating, you know, because, of course, you know, the Red Sox and Cora uh, uh, were implicate well, more than just implicated in that, that whole thing weren't they so I was quite so I, I'm voting for Altuve and I'm quite happy to put in a, a vote for it I think what when you do go in and vote uh, so do you think that would be an interesting way or an, an interesting approach to take in football can you imagine an SBFL team uh, taking all your you could have an, an old firm select versus best of the rest <laughs> at the end of the season. I'd, I'd love something like like that. It would, yeah, an old firm select might not be the fairest. Who, who's going to support them? <laughs> um, yeah, are you going to be cheering McGregor passing the ball to Edward? Not that either of them would obviously have got in the team, but yeah, that's an interesting concept. You could have fun with an SPFL all-star game where you had Rangers and Celtic players on different sides, mm-hmm. but it's how you decide which teams are in one half and which teams are in the other half. It's a little bit of controversy last week in the world of baseball, and it's been going on for a wee while, but this spider tack or the sticky substance that pitchers... Uh, will will be using to make their uh, to to help themselves, and it all came to light with that interview with Garrett Cole, where they asked him if he had ever used anything. I think, as a cyclist, the comment I would make his reply reminded me of Lance Armstrong, who, of course, never doped uh, or took blood substances or did anything to help himself while cycling until he chose to admit it on on the Oprah Winfrey show. It was a bit of a bizarre response, and it's quite good because it's actually brought the whole uh, topic out into the into the open. There's a lot we can talk about there, but I think one of the things we thought, well, tell me about other 
sticky substances or other substances that people might use in different sports that potentially are allowed or not allowed that would give them give them a little bit of an advantage. Sticky gloves for goalkeepers aren't going to work very well because how does he then get rid of the ball once he's caught it? That was one of the points that I heard somebody talking about with this um, substance, which uh, has the great name of Spider Tech. And it's used in, it's an industrial use, isn't it, for sticking concrete to other bits of concrete. And somebody said they actually use this in the world's strongest man tournament. And, you know, I don't know. Do you watch that, Dave? When they carry that big sort of heavy metal, massive cannonball type thing and to allow them, because it's a a ball, you know, a, a sphere, it's quite hard to grip. So I think they're allowed to use the substance <laughs> to grip them. They use spiders. Personally, I would go with pelican grip, which is apparently another substance similar, which uh, might be being used allegedly by pitchers. But yeah, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? It's de- there seems to be acknowledged that there's definitely something going on here. And this uh, might be accounting for some of the pretty low batting averages that you see in across the entire um, Major League Baseball at the moment. T- tell me, Dave, in terms of cricket, what substances a, a batsman or indeed a bowler might use that would be legal or illegal that might give them an advantage? I think they're allowed that bowlers are it's slightly different although they definitely historically and still will find, bowlers will find ways of uh, affecting the ball in their interest so that they get a little bit more movement out of it. It's slightly different in cricket in as much as they play with the same ball nearly all day. They play six hours, and they'll, which is pretty amazing. It's only like two... Mm-hmm. Baseball games, really, isn't it? But um, it's like a double header, basically. But they play all day, and games will go on for four days. A test match will go on for five days, and they will use the same balls. A different bowlers will be bowling during the course of the day, and some of the bowlers they like to swing the ball. So what they will do is they will. And you can do this legally. You shine one side of the ball. It's a leather ball, slightly different to very similar size and weight to a baseball. So they will shine one side of the ball and leave the other one. Well, they'll try and rough it up, actually, which is where you do get different substances being used to to scratch the side of the ball so that the ball will move more quickly through um, Mm. one side and move away from the batsman so it's more difficult for the batsman. There'll be other ways to rough it up, but they can use the sweat and shine it on their trousers, which uh, you do see that happening. But there's been some very highly publicised instances of real sort of intentional, planned doctoring of the ball. Even, you know, I, I hate to really highlight the the Australian one because the England England players have done it as well in fact let, let's let's call out Mike Allerton who, who was the captain and he actually was had some soil and dirt in his pocket yeah. and he was seen like the ball was passed to him and as he was passing it to the bowler just before that he would apply some of the soil to one side of the ball to rough it up all Cricketing sides have been guilty to certain degrees of doing that. And you, you, you go back to the 1950s or something like that, and it was uh, brill cream that they would have in their hair, and uh, they would use that to, uh, I don't know, I don't think the youngsters today, were, hair wax, I suppose it might yeah, use, yeah. Be, be used to the same degree. I think, you know, Vaseline as well is something that's used in sport, you know, and they would put that on their um, eyes or their ears to protect it, some cream. And I think it's applying a foreign substance 
to a ball in cricket or in baseball is not allowed. And there's certain degrees of that, you know, some I sort of accepted as historically being used. But if you've got somebody using an industrial glue, <laughs> to, to, I mean, somebody jokingly said, well, how are they releasing the ball? How, why, how is it not sticking to their hand? They're getting extra grip on the ball and they're able to throw it faster and they're also able to get more rotation on it. And in fact, I've heard somebody said that it could be dangerous because this is why I think they're seeing pitchers, more pitchers are throwing 98 mile an hour fastballs and higher. But there's also, and I've seen this happen in many games, where there's, there's more balls going very near to the batsman's head. In fact, I've seen a couple getting hit on the helmet by fastballs and they're reckoning this is why it's happening because they're really overreaching themselves to get this fastball because of this substance. Now, let's wait and see what happens, but it seems to be being taken extremely seriously. Almost, you know, and that, that interview with Garrett Cole was pretty damning really, wasn't it? That, you know, it sounds like there's definitely something going on pretty wholesale and he didn't be want to either want to say yay or nay. Yeah, I guess I, guess I should say in terms of the, plus it reminded me of the cycling. I think the cycling perhaps had slightly different issues in that we were talking about drug substance use and, and blood doping as well. So uh, there, there are different levels of um, substance use. It's the same philosophy when you talk about the historical use of it, because it's was it Ancatil said in the in the tour back in the fifties and sixties. They don't expect us to do this in bread and water, do they? It was when you read some of the stories of these guys in the old Tour de France, they would get to the small village. There'd be a bar at the bottom of the hill, um, and they'd down a couple of brandies, take some amphetamine. Uh, pretty much as pain relief to to drug them out. And bizarrely, they took no water because they viewed water as that would weigh you down. So they wanted us to be as light as possible. Um, and the tragic consequences, uh, British cycling knows, knows that well. Cycling had to do something about that and blood doping. Um, they were they were doping within the, the, to the limits they were allowed to go, so it was dangerous stuff. But yeah, other other sports. Dave Junior, have you got other examples of sports where people would do do stuff, shouldn't do stuff? I think every sport's going to be littered with it. I think a lot of the times it'll just be if they're if they're found out or if they they manage to stay one step ahead of the science. Mm. Uh, at times, um, athletics is probably littered. Uh, with it. Um, even just now there's quite an interesting debate. Uh, I don't have the details on me, but there's there's a new type of shoe has been released for runners. I find this quite an interesting one if we're able to get the detail and, and debate it properly one day. But it's taking real minutes off of um, runners' times. Uh, and we're talking about professional athletes here. Wow. So just it sounds shoe. just from a shoe. So it, it sounds uh, absolutely crazy and you think to yourself well is a shoe cheating you know it's not fitted out with any springs or there's no rocket blasters in there um it's purely in terms of the energy it conserves and then um, what it then expends as, as you push down on the ground so there's been a whole lot of data coming out recently from you know, suddenly all of the athletes are now wearing them but even just casual so park run runners uh, of which I've, I've kind of partook myself. If they're looking to do, say, 5K, you might find someone at a 25-minute, um, five-kilometre run at any of the park runs held throughout the world. Um, people with these trainers just straight away were taking a minute off of that time, which is absolutely vast. Um, so it's really quite interesting when the science starts to get ahead at what point does it become cheating? At what point is still that person's body that they're just going through that? Simply, was their body being used to its best potential with that other shoe? Or has this shoe helped unlock that? Or, you know, I just think it's really quite interesting to see um, what defines 
crossing a line um, or what what's someone being smart. Yeah. I look forward to the days when the Red Sox and the White Sox are matched with the appropriate shoes to give the maximum baseball performance. I think Dave's points there were quite interesting about not the equipment. Uh, yeah. My other sport is golf as well. And yeah. The equip the ball. There's a lot of talk in professional golf about the balls and the the clubs, the drivers they're using. So they're, you're aiming towards average 400 yard drives, and well, it's not quite happening. But some some guys are up at that level. But it's not that long ago where people hitting over 300 yards was an amazing feat. So that you, you the issue with golf. And I guess you may have the same with baseball parks. Is you start to make them obsolete uh, because if if you've got f- the courses we play on generally are fairly shortish for amateur for us as amateur golfers with 350 400 yard holes are fine a drive and a five iron or whatever. But when the pros are hitting it that far, it's just it's just crazy and. Um, a long way removed the world of sport from my early days watching the Highland Games where the tossing of the caber might well have involved putting a bit of chalk in his hand uh, to get the caber in his hand and to toss it. <laughs> Fueled by, no doubt, a few pints in the bar the night before. What a wee dram. <laughs> yeah, you can't be a good Highland Games. I've seen I've been a few, actually. It's a fantastic uh, event, isn't it? Great day yeah. out. Yeah, but... <laughs> Into the Balmoral ones many years ago. Brilliant. That the Queen Queen usually does the Balmoral one, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. I think she might have been there actually. Yeah, I think I think Braemar, not, not Braemar, yeah. Sorry, not Balmoral. The Braemar games. Yeah, the Highland Games for our listeners, you'll have you'll have the traditional athletic events, some grass cycling, some running, high jump, long jump, but you've also got the the shot the tossing the caber. Which is probably the traditional Highland yeah. sport. Um, they do a bit of shot pat as well, which is fairly traditional, and that's probably where a lot of that we talked earlier with the lifting the stones in the world's strongest man. Yeah, it's quite similar. There's one where they they, they lift a weight and they have to throw it over like it's almost like a, yes. high, a high jump bar. Yeah. The ones who worry me on that are the ones who throw it backwards. Yeah, you need to have, if you're throwing a big hammer like that. <laughs> you want to know where it's going, so technique. <laughs> so there we go, the Highland bullpen. Another week, and we're talking about the Highland Games, and we've had yeah. a few Scottish connections in there. So thanks. I've enjoyed the chat again tonight, guys. It's always good. Superb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>